The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, our gospel picks up just moments after Jesus' baptism. Filled with the Holy Spirit, named as God's beloved Son, Jesus now is led by that very same Spirit right out into the wilderness. Into the wilderness, where he will go on a camping trip for 40 days and 40 nights. He, however, doesn't have the same agenda we have when we take our pop-up camper out into the wilderness. He's not there to collect stamps in his National Park's passport like my lovely wife loves to do. He's not going there for a nice hiking or sightseeing trip. No, Matthew makes it very clear to us that Jesus has an agenda, and it's one item on this agenda. Jesus, we are told, is sent into the wilderness that he may be tempted. That is his purpose, according to Matthew, to head out and do what he does. So often, you see, I've heard this sermon preached kind of like what the tabloids like to do, right? Celebrities, they eat food too, right? Jesus, he's tempted too, right? We love to draw that kind of connection because we think that's the entry point for us. That's all we're supposed to take out of this. Oh, Jesus goes in the desert and gets tempted, so, you know, let's go to the, have a vision quest in the desert and get tempted too. Why not? But that's not it. And if that's all we take from the story, we miss something because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than Jesus sharing in our temptation as humans. Instead, it's Jesus trying to understand what does it mean to be fully divine as a human. How is it that he will live out his role as the beloved son of God? What will it mean for him? How will he wield, or perhaps more importantly, how will he share that power he has been given through the waters of baptism? Power, you see, power is really, really important to our gospel today. Power is really important to all of our readings here this first Sunday in Lent. 
because it's power that connects all three of these temptations that he undergoes together. At the end of the day, indeed, it's power that pulls us into the book of Genesis once more. As I mentioned during the children's message, the true temptation here isn't an apple. It's the temptation to want to be like God. It's the temptation to have our eyes open in a godlike way that becomes irresistible for Adam, irresistible for Eve. You will be like God, the serpent promises. That's why this temptation that Jesus faces is different. Because Jesus isn't tempted with an apple to be like God. Jesus already is God. And therefore, the temptation here is distinctly different. Temptation here is for Jesus to understand what kind of God he is called to be. I can't help but think of the words of the great, great wisdom that come from the Spider-Man movies, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Uncle Ben tells that to, to Peter Parker early on. And it's true. It's true. Jesus is the word of God, has great responsibility. Jesus, as the beloved son of God, is responsible to the very word that God has shared. And the tempter tries to wield that word as a sword, a sword to tempt him, a weapon against him. So he starts, starts by inviting Jesus to perform the miraculous. He says, go and take this loaf of bread and turn, or take this, this stone and turn it into a loaf of bread. Do something amazing. Here's the funny thing. The verses and the chapters that follow, guess what kind of stuff Jesus does? Pretty miraculous stuff. Really, over and over. He raises people from the dead. He stills a storm with his voice. He later will take a loaf of bread and take a few fishes and feed 5,000 people. Indeed, Jesus can and will do amazing things with bread. So the real temptation here has nothing to do with bread. It has nothing to do with stones. And it has everything to do with missing the importance of God's word in the midst of it all. A significance that wasn't lost by our namesake here at St. Paul, Martin Luther himself. Look at what I found in my office. Any of you have one of these somewhere? Yeah, I bet you do. Your little Luther small catechism. And I want to read from you what Luther had to say to us regarding the sacrament of the table. He asked the question, how can bodily eating and drinking do such a great thing? He says, eating and drinking certainly do not do it, but rather the words that are recorded, given for you and shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. These words, when accompanied by the physical eating and drinking, are the essential thing in the sacrament. And whoever believes in these very words has what they declare and state, namely, forgiveness of sin. It is the word of God that works healing and wholeness and forgiveness and Jesus knows this to be true and so does the one who tempts him who then says next why don't you go and create a spectacle go draw attention to yourself make celebrity for yourself we live in a world where celebrity and power oftentimes collide oftentimes are held side by side we're all about 
getting followers. And I stand before you being as guilty of that as anyone. Our staff meeting, every week we sit down, my friend Alice, our parish administrator, announces to the staff, we got another follower on YouTube, Pastor. At which point we set an arbitrary goal to buy donuts next time around. Yeah, if we get two more followers, we're going to have to have donuts at staff meeting. This is how you celebrate, right? So I sit here saying we're all guilty of that celebrity. We're all guilty of wanting to have followers. And Jesus is going to draw followers. That's not the problem. But the thing is, he's not going to draw them because of spectacle, but because of the message that he shares, because of the salvation that he offers. Just a few days ago, many of you gathered in this very space and came right up there to have me smear on your forehead an ashen cross on Ash Wednesday. And in it, you heard the words of Jesus once more, where Jesus encouraged his followers to be faithful but to do and live out their faith, not as spectacle for the public to see, but privately in themselves, between the God who sees in secret. Jesus said, keep your prayers short. No one wants to hear them. Keep them between the God to whom they are addressed, lifting up the people for whom you pray. He says, make sure that when you give alms that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. And he says, for gosh sakes, if you're going to take up eating filet of fish for an entire season, don't tell all your friends about it. No one cares. That is what Jesus tells us. The temptation is to seek spectacle, but the reality is Jesus says, live your life in secret. Serve so that others don't even know. Because there in the God who sees in secret will acknowledge you. Jesus didn't come to garner likes. Jesus came to share God's love, a love whose sole purpose is to lift others up, a love whose culmination comes when he himself is lifted on the cross. It takes us to the last of our temptations, the last one being supreme political power. Supreme political power that comes through a simple act of worship. Jesus understands, though, that worship is not an act of power that we wield, but an acknowledgement of the power of the God in whose name we gather. When I hear the tempter offer all that you see, you know what I hear? I hear the Lion King. I hear Mufasa, right? Look, all that the light touches will be your kingdom, right? But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to make an earthly kingdom his. He came to establish a heavenly kingdom here. And those are two very different things. Why would he be tempted by creating an earthly kingdom when his whole purpose is to create a heavenly kingdom here on earth? Indeed, this creation itself that he's created is all about community because God creates in community. What's the first thing that God does after God's made everything? God says, I need help. I need someone to be stewards of the land, stewards of my creation. Therefore, I'm going to create Adam and Eve. Who does God turn to? God turns to the people of God, the Israelites. And even if they annoy the ever-living bejesus out of them, they still remain in connection with each other. God creates community with the prophets who ensure that their words make it through all the time. 
Indeed, God then sends Christ who does what? Goes and gets disciples, right? Draws the crowds, who brings forward people through generation after generation all the way to you and to me. In other words, Jesus recognizes it's not about earthly power. It's not about ruling over people or having dominion over people. Instead, it is about liberating people and restoring people to true relationship centered in the love of Christ. Today, today Jesus is tempted by boundless power for himself, but after this moment, he will begin his public ministry, a ministry centered on sharing that power with others. A ministry centered around serving others. A ministry predicated on being in community with others. When we seek to be like Jesus, I hope you don't just simplify and say, yeah, I'm going to be Christ-like by not being tempted just like he did. I think it's bigger than I think it's about acknowledging that we need to align our lives with the God who made all things and redeems all things and does it for our sake and our sake alone. A God who created all things and is most manifest in community. A Messiah who works salvation through service to others, through sacrifice on the cross for a people, you and me and us, who face difficulties in our lives who walk in our own wildernesses, whether they be illnesses, struggles within our own relationships or communities, that we acknowledge that we are led each and every step of the way by a God who loves us, who cares for us, and who draws us close in community and with one another. So thanks be to God, and thanks be to God for you, the people of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.